Hey, it's Tim here. Thanks so much for coming over to check out my new podcast, The Big Mouth. Before we get into today's episode, got a big favor to ask you. It's going to mean the world to me if you leave a star rating, you comment on the episode or share it with your friends. It'll help me out and help get The Big Mouth out there. Hope you enjoy today's episode. I'm tripping balls. I'm vomiting uncontrollably, convulsing while a shaman blows a cloud of sage over my body using what looks like a bird's wing, singing in Portuguese, all in the name of healing. This week, I did ayahuasca. Am I crazy? Yes. Did it change my reality? You're about to find out. If you feel like a misfit in a world full of pretenders, then I want to be your friend. Join me each week on the journey of not giving a fuck. So stop trying to fit in and stand out. You don't need to be perfect, you just need to get real. This is The Big Mouth with Tim Dormer. Subscribe now for free to make sure you don't miss out on an episode. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ayahuasca. It's a plant medicine that's been used by indigenous people of the Amazon for thousands of years. It's a brew that's a mixture of two plants, one which contains DMT, known as the spirit molecule. It's the most powerful, mind-altering substance nature has created. This teacher plant, when ingested, it takes you on a psychedelic, consciousness-altering experience to meet with yourself, your ego. It's been called the truth drug. Often the effect is to give you an honest assessment of exactly what is wrong with you, loud and clear, and allowing for the reset of limiting perspectives on your life, unblocking your full potential. Some have even said it's like 10 years of therapy in one night in its ability to help you understand yourself and heal past trauma. Now, I think it's really important to make a note here that this is definitely not for everyone. And I'm not advocating this kind of therapy in replacement of qualified medical treatment. I've been through the process of professional psychological therapy. Uh, My interest in ayahuasca was additional to this. My purpose for sharing my experience with the plant medicine is not to try to convince you of anything, but just to share that, my experience. It is not fun by any means. You have a complete loss of control, which is scary as fuck, and an absolutely emotionally draining experience ahead of you. I repeat it again, it is not for everyone. I'm also not going to give out the details of the group that I did the experience with. I think it's really important that this type of work seeks you out at the right time. They say that ayahuasca will call you when the time is right. It's not just for thrill seekers looking to tick it off their list. So I'm not going to give you the details, so don't ask. Now, many people would prefer to travel to South America for the authentic experience. And some people are going to criticize doing the medicine in Australia as unauthentic. But I did my research about the group that I did it with, and they were recommended to me by good friends who have known this shaman facilitator for many years. Um, And he was taught to guide the practice through extensive training. He lived 
with an indigenous community in South America for years, which kind of put my mind to rest. So I'd kind of been on the waiting list with this group for a little while. Sometimes it didn't match up with what was happening in my life. Um, Other times I kind of was a bit scared. But about a month ago, I got an email saying that there was a retreat coming up in Katoomba in the Blue Mountains, which is where I grew up, um, west of Sydney. So it felt right. So I put my name down. I guess the biggest hesitation is, isn't this illegal? And the short answer is yes. And let's face it, our culture has always told us that psychedelics are bad, that they'll fry your brain, make you crazy, and even make you jump out of windows. But things have been changing, and some people are talking about them very differently. Research is finding that they hold great potential and could be very helpful in solving some of the biggest issues that we face today. I think it's really interesting that whilst this kind of therapy is relatively new to the West, it's really understandable why there'd be so much hesitation and fear around it, But who are we to come along and say that it's wrong when the indigenous medicine has been used for thousands of years as a sacred healing practice? I'm really interested in things that can help us better understand ourselves and also help us realize our connection beyond ourselves to each other and the world we live in. In the last episode of The Big Mouth, I chatted all about our human need to check out from reality, that we often distract our minds or or numb our bodies to avoid pain. We disconnect from who we are and the world that we live in. And I shared my own experiences of using illegal substances to check out. And then the road to recovery and getting real with my pain instead of running from it. Which it seems almost paradoxical now that I'm going to share an experience of using a psychedelic drug as medicine to check out and then find myself again. So what drew me to ayahuasca? Well, I've shared how I experienced a lot of loss in the last few years. The awful breakup and rejection from my fiancé. I lost a bunch of people who I thought were friends. My two dogs, Maple and Meatloaf, passed away. And my good friend, Nikki Graham, as well, passed away. There was a lot of pain and grief that I've been silently processing. And at times I wonder if I've been living in the past. It's, it's kind of kept me stuck And at times I've also felt a lot of anxiety and and fear about making plans and achieving goals in the future. It's been a really long road, but I'm at a place where I just want to be free of the past and, and to make sense of the pain so I can move on. There's a quote, nobody tells you this, but sometimes healing hurts more than the wounds. I think I'd actually become a bit attached to my wounds I just kept reliving feelings and even have recurring nightmares. And and I'm telling the stories of what happened to me, sort of taking on this identity of, of the victim, holding onto a fence about what happened. It's almost like there's this physical wound and if you don't tend to it right, it, it festers. If you cover it up or hide it, it, it can't heal. Or if you keep reliving the trauma of of what's happened it's it's like reopening a wound um and it will never heal that way so instead of caring for it you're actually re-traumatizing yourself i've shared how i i used to use illegal substances to avoid dealing with my pain and i'm proud of the long journey i've been on since deciding that i didn't want to use illegal substances anymore but if i'm honest there's still some things that I use to check out. I've only recently kicked the vape habit that I had. Far out. It's hard. 
I was vaping in my bed at night. I was just disgusting. And vaping has become so normalized now. I mean, it's so strange. I think there's quite a few people that are vaping and not really sure about the harmful effects physically, but also asking themselves, why are we doing, why am I doing this? That was a really hard habit to kick that I've only recently got through using patches and the gum. I really do have sympathy for anybody else on that journey. But I also wanted to investigate my relationship with other substances and behaviors that I might be using as coping mechanisms to get through life. For instance, coffee in the morning, needing a coffee to get the day started. Alcohol that I still tend to drink to excess sometimes. Scrolling on my phone, just <laughs> check out and, and mindless scrolling. I only recently discovered TikTok. People are saying, get on TikTok, Tim. I probably will down the track. But for three days, I think, sat in my room scrolling TikTok. I feel like I, I got sucked into this mindless vortex of where we're all at in the world at the moment. <laughs> Just these mindless TikTok videos. It's great. We need it. But I wanted to look at why am I using these things? What am I afraid of without them? And also sex. Yes, I've often wondered if sometimes I could use sex unhealthily. I've heard that ayahuasca can be really liberating when it comes to healing from addictions. I also wanted to understand myself a bit better too. I'm a pretty complex, weird unit, as you'd know. And even though I love my uniqueness, I'm aware that perhaps there's parts of me that might be holding me back, that I need a bit of a reality check for my ego. It's been really strange watching myself again on TV. It's, it's quite a journey for the ego. On one hand, you're really self-conscious watching yourself play out on TV and especially in the world of Big Brother where you're watching yourself in your pyjamas, your hair's not done. I, I'm like fat on TV. <laughs> I have a bit of a gut, which was part of the diet in the Big Brother house, but you have to be okay with watching yourself. And then on the other hand, being on TV provides the potential for an overinflated ego. I'm receiving a lot of adoration and attention and I've got to make sure that I've got my feet planted on the ground and after reality TV that I kind of understand who the real me is. So I felt like it's a perfect time to search for some healing and take the journey into myself to find out the answer to the question, who am I? So there's kind of three steps to the ayahuasca experience. Preparation, the ceremony experience itself, and then the integration. So preparation steps included clearing my body and my mind for two weeks before the night of the ceremony. So it's about being really conscious of what I'm putting into my body physically and mentally. That meant following a pretty strict diet, which included no pork, no red meat, no cheeses, no fermented foods. I actually really love sauerkraut. Uh, no alcohol or coffee, avoiding foods high in salt and sugar, not too much oils, basically any of the fun stuff. It's also recommended to refrain from all sexual activity. No orgasms for two weeks before the ceremony. Far out. Although in the three times that I've done Big Brother, I am used to going cold turkey on the wanking. It really does change your brain. And orgasms are a big energetic release. 
So part of the preparation for ayahuasca is just to be really conscious of the energy coming in and going out of your body. I'm usually a cup a day coffee drinker in the mornings and we all know how much I love my ice cream and lollies. So far out, after two weeks of sort of detoxing in the lead up, I was kind of thinking, do I even need to do the ceremony? I've actually already had a detox. I was just feeling really low energy a bit moody as my body fought the withdrawals from the fun stuff. The other important step of the preparation is intention setting. So having a clear purpose as to what you're hoping to learn or the reason for seeking out the medicine experience. Mine was pretty clear. I wanted to heal from the past of my broken heart. Gosh, it's been a year and a half and I'm in a new relationship now and I'm ready to finally shake it off. I know it's going to be really sad to revisit some of the emotions of loss, grief, and rejection, but I wanted to be set free of it once and for all. I want to unlock my future path and I'm open to becoming aware of what might be holding me back. And then the final part of preparation is the day of the ceremony. It's really important to have a restful one where you're staying clear of things like TV, phones, and the news. So the day had finally come and I was filled with a mixture of nerves and excitement, as you can imagine. I arrived at the retreat center. It's a beautiful bushland setting in the Blue Mountains. And I nervously found my way to the registration table to check in along with about 50 other people who would be attending the ceremony with me. The two girls checking people in, they were beautiful, warm and really inviting. It was just the energy I needed to calm my nerves as I looked around the room and caught myself judging the other people that were also going to join me. Who would be attracted to something like this? There was the usual group of beautiful, woke-looking hippies, Latino men with long, dark hair, all wearing linen with crystals around their necks. But I was surprised to see some everyday-looking people too, like the two straight dads in the corner who looked just as nervous as me, (laughs) first-timers. We sat around making small talk, and I overheard one lady say, This isn't my partner's thing, but he lets me come along because he knows how much it means to me. And then when I come home, it's like a complete positive energy shift. And he knows as long as I'm safe, he's happy for me to do my thing. And I thought about my own partner, Adam. It definitely was not his thing, that's for sure. But how wonderful to have his support. I was really nervous for what might be uncovered tonight. How it might change my relationship with him, knowing what I was about to delve into, the past. I was told the ceremony started at 6.30pm in the main hall. It was a beautiful space with a large fireplace in one corner, which I was really grateful for as it was bloody freezing in the Blue Mountains winter. The room was set up as a bunch of seating on the floor arranged in concentric circles around a central altar table. The seats looked like those clickable fold-out beach chairs you buy from Bunnings. I think I've even got some in the back of my car. I'd arrived late and I wondered if I'd missed the best seats in the house. They divided the room up with the masculine on one side and the feminine on the other. No surprises, the ladies were closest to the fireplace and I found a seat on the outer circle next to the hot dads. (laughs) But it meant that I was closest to the toilets, a decision I wondered whether I'd regret later. The inner circle was where the shaman facilitator and the crew of his guardians would sit. A team of people who were assisting all the participants' journeys, supervising and saging us when needed with their feathers. And boy, was there a lot of saging. One of the many interesting aromas that I'd be smelling throughout the night. I was surprised they all looked like everyday people, despite having beautiful warm energy about them all. 
They could easily have been my neighbour or a workmate. I wondered whether they actually had day jobs or were they paid to do this? I got the sense that they treated the medicine with awe and respect, the way they prepared the space with rituals and the way they spoke about ayahuasca spirit as mother, teacher, that it was such a privilege to be in her presence. In fact, it, it felt a little bit churchy or even culty vibes, but I was here for it. It was too late to check out now. I was there and I was about to drink the Kool-Aid, literally. There was a bit of housekeeping to go through, where the toilets could be found right behind me, how the process would work, that there would be an invitation to partake in drinking ayahuasca three times in the night. We were given instructions on what to do with our vomit buckets, or purge, as they euphemistically referred it to it. And a reminder to be mindful and respectful of everyone's individual journeys, that some people would be experiencing really great pain throughout the night, and to give them space to try focus on your own work. It was recommended that we try to stay engaged with the energy of the room by remaining sitting upright, but that some people may feel it necessary to lie down. But it was important to try not drift off to sleep. There was a warning not to leave the retreat hall. Not that I needed it. There was no way I was running off into the night. Um, To stay connected with the group and the, the energy in the room. To see out the entire night together. Yes, the entire night. Apart from one hour of rest in the wee hours of the morning, we were going to be tripping balls until sunrise. And then the singing began. And by singing, I mean chanting along to songs of ayahuasca praise in Portuguese, from the handbook of songs which was on my seat. The singing was led by the Inner Circle team. They had microphones set up in front of them and they all had various instruments, from guitars to maracas, rain sticks, and even didgeridoos. Far out, the music was unreal. Like I was really unprepared for how important the music was to invoke the spirit and carry me through the whole journey. And it was just beautiful. So after about an hour of singing, the shaman called first cup. And so we all lined up while the music and singing rang on to receive a hand poured cup of ayahuasca from the shaman himself. I was so nervous that the line grew shorter and shorter until it was my turn to receive and swallow down. How can I explain what it looked and tasted like? Maybe a concentrate of coffee and Vegemite into a sort of like molasses, thick, dark brown syrup consistency. And then the taste, it was awfully bitter, coated my mouth and throat. And as I swallowed it down, I quickly hurried back to my picnic chair to pick up my bottle of coconut water and gulp it down as a chaser. An invaluable tip that a friend had told me to bring along. So once everyone had had their first cup, we all sat back down and the chorus of singing kept going. And it wasn't too long, maybe 15, 20 minutes in, and I was aware of the medicine taking effect. It started with a warm, fuzzy feeling coming over my whole body. And then the visual hallucination started. It was really strange. It was almost like a sense of something, someone being in the room, a presence, a a feminine sort of wild spirit. And I started to see patterns of colour and and beautiful fractal shapes. I don't know how to explain, like tendrils of nature kind of coming towards me, almost like they were beckoning me to follow. It was quite beautiful, but also a little bit scary. It It was something 
otherworldly that I haven't really experienced before. When I'd opened my eyes, I'd, I'd be in the room singing with everyone, but when I closed them, it was almost like I was transported to another dimension. It almost like I was alone in, in the forest and there was this cacophony of noises that didn't sound like the singing in the room, but wild noises of the forest and bright colours and shapes that would take on what looked like a, a giant flower that opened up. It was sort of beckoning me to go within it like I was I was being drawn into this that then turned into a scary mouth and, and almost like a vagina like it really was weird but I just felt beckoned towards it and it was it was sort of scary but but I was curious and I just kept reminding myself to submit and surrender and and just go along with wherever this journey was going to take me. I was so thankful for the meditation practice that I've been building over the last couple of years that that I could control my fear and remain grounded in my body by, by breathing, connecting to my breath. That was just so invaluable throughout the night to keep coming back to my breath. At this point in time, I guess there was no time. Time kind of went out the window and I'm not quite sure how long it, it lasted, but it was almost like I was flying over um, familiar scenes or, or people in my life. I guess it's what they call the empathic review of your life, that, that I was seeing these pivotal moments in my life or relationships um, but from a sort of external perspective, from a witness point of view where I could see myself and I could feel with empathy what I was going through in that moment and then also the perspective of other people in those moments as well. I guess this is why they call it the truth drug because you're seeing things as they really are and giving you the chance to form a new perspective about things like traumatic experiences or repressed memories that you didn't even really know have really affected how you live out your life. So the first one that hit me, I wept uncontrollably, was my dog Meatloaf. It, it was so crazy. Oh, I'm getting a little bit emotional now. Like, um, I was really unprepared that, that it would be so powerful. The grief um, of, of losing Meatloaf. And I... I didn't really share much publicly. There was just one Instagram post the day before Big Brother, the latest season, began. I actually had woken up at 4am and had to take Meatloaf to the vets where we made the awful decision to put him to sleep. He'd been a bit unwell for a few months and it just all happened so quickly and then Big Brother started the next day. I, I It was a, a welcome distraction, I guess, but... I really didn't get a chance to grieve with me and I just had such a sense of how much um, this, his spirit, I loved him and, and that, that I'd lost one of the most loyal things in my life. I actually got Meatloaf after the first time that I did Big Brother nine years ago and, um, and it was just me and him and, yeah, I just had such a sense that I was so grateful to have done life with Meatloaf, the spirit of this little dog that it was such a little rat bag, like the same as me. But I don't know, I just was so thankful and grateful and I, I think I've been holding on um, a lot of the emotion the last two months because there was so much else going on with Big Brother that I didn't really get a chance to 
to cry and yeah I, I cried a lot it was like layers of grief I think the night went through and then I was just transported right back to the breakup yeah the reason why I went to ayahuasca was was to face the pain of of my relationship breakdown and that hit me really hard all those feelings of of loss um what was really sad was not so much the pain but reliving the good times which is something that I I I hadn't really thought much about because it was too too sad too hard and it was it was all these flashes of memories there's these crazy life experiences of of sharing my life with someone and the magic that we made and then feeling all the pain of all the bad times his pain so much so much before me like it, it was just unbearable and and i got a sense of why we had turned to using substances why it may have been too hard for him to to make the choices that I wanted to make. Uh, I really got the sense that even though 18 months has passed and, and I've, I've moved on, I'm in a new relationship now, but real deep down in, in the core part of me, I hadn't let go and that there was this weird, really sad, hurting part of me that, that thought I had to hold on because he had, he had let go and that, there was this beautiful thing that I just didn't want to say goodbye to, but it was a realization that that thing had gone, that that the relationship was over, and it was like I was holding on to a dead corpse. I was holding on to something that was no more, and I was grieving. And then I got the sense that someone said in a really loving voice. It's time to let go. I realised that it's it's not letting go of, of love, that love actually continues on. It, it doesn't disappear. You still have it forever. And, and then I realised how much holding on to this was actually causing me to miss out on the present love that I have with my partner, Adam, that I just got such a sense of how beautiful his love for me is and that I've been holding back, that, that I've been afraid to fully commit for fear of being hurt again. Love had really hurt me and, and that I've been afraid to open my heart up again. And so it was really healing to let go and be able to, to give now with an open heart to my current relationship. It's like I was getting glimpses of I don't know if it's the future or just what could be. Like I, I could see myself with my partner, Adam, and the joy and the happiness of, of really uh, a fruitful relationship that I was invested in and just such a greater potential than what I felt was possible. It was exciting. So the visions kept going. It was almost like flashes of scenes and glimpses of truths behind them that I wasn't quite aware of. And then popped up Estelle oh my god (laughs) far out Estelle is haunting my ayahuasca trip I was not prepared for this and fuck oops I hurt her bad 
yeah, I was really aware of, of, of me being hurt, but needing to talk to her. It, at this point, it was like I was separate from Tim and I was watching him with really understanding eyes and, and not judgmental at all, but really compassionate. And I could see what, what a complex ball of, of silly that I am, that I go through life opening my big mouth, fighting. It's, it's, it's like this naughty child that have so much conflict or I rebel against people. I was really becoming aware of some truths about myself that are hard to hear, I guess, that I don't do myself any favors sometimes and that there's things I need to work on. And as this was happening, my body started shaking, convulsing. It, it was almost like I, I didn't want to hear it. Um, that that my my ego was fighting it. I found myself yawning uncontrollably and not wanting to hear what I was being told, like sort of checking out and going into fairyland, which is something that I sort of realized that I'd, I've done my whole life since I was a kid. It's, it's really weird that I can be off in a whole nother world of thoughts. My brain is is wonderful. And people have said like, you have a really powerful mind, Tim. I recognize that in, in some ways I can be quite smart, um, but in other ways I'm so dumb. And that living within my mind and all my thoughts, it, I'd, I'd almost created a prison for myself with the, with the bad habits and coping mechanisms of, of how in my head I am overthinking and, and trying to solve and, and control with, with my mind, that I'm so checked out from my body and my feelings and emotions that I'm not feeling when I'm hurting other people in my life. That there's this whole other realm of existence that I really am so immature in. And that's emotional intelligence. And this is when the vomiting started or purging and it just... My, my belly was gurgling and I could feel it coming up and I'd burp. And then I remember reaching around in the dark trying to find my vomit bucket behind me. And I was just so grateful that I didn't miss and I purged. And it was a guttural, deep, from within, almost like I was vomiting up the ayahuasca and also a sense of all the toxic the hurt and the pain and and all the blockages that I would now become aware of was releasing out of my body. It actually felt quite amazing and uplifting. And this kept going throughout the night. By the third cup, I was kind of done. And I think I'd had my fill. I, I was emotionally exhausted. I was physically tired. I clicked my seat back and I lay down. I just needed to rest. I kept reminding myself not to compare myself with the other people in the room who were still seated upright and and singing, but I was just going to lie down. And I was really glad that the hot dad next to me was also (laughs) had checked out long before me. I'd met with ayahuasca and I'd received the healing that I'd come for. And I had the sense that next time, if there is a next time, I, I will go deeper. The singing and soundtrack of vomiting kept going through the night until I saw the sunrise outside and it was the dawning of a new day. It was beautiful and people were up dancing, clapping and we'd all done this together. We'd been to hell and back. It was a torturous journey within through pain 
and we'd done it. We'd made it. As the ceremony wound up, it was made really clear to us how important the third and final step of the ayahuasca process was. That's integration. So what we do with what we've learnt, um, how we integrate it back into our lives to have lasting effects. I mean, I feel like my mind has had a tune-up. It's, it's like taking the car in for a service and the experience was like a good clean-out, shaking off and rewiring some of the negative and limiting thought patterns that I'd had and my attachment to past traumas. It's like I could feel my mind having fireworks go off in it. The mind's like a hard drive, like a computer, and sometimes it gets a bit fragged. And ayahuasca can put it back together in a more functional way. My feelings of depression and anxiety have been lifted. There's a real afterglow. Like suddenly I have this feeling like everything is going to work out right. That I do have the ability to do what I have to do. And in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. So I need to stop taking everything so seriously. It's not a permanent quick fix, but it gave me some insight into a new way of living that can be implemented through the work of integration in the coming weeks and months. Whilst it was one of the most torturous experiences I've ever been through, I'm so glad that I did. I definitely received the healing that I intended to. I made sense of the love that I lost and that that person that had hurt me so much that his behaviour had more to do with his internal struggle of pain than it ever did with me. And that taught me a lot of grace. And I was able to say goodbye. We're on separate journeys now. I'm really reminded of a quote that I love. Life changes. You lose love. You lose friends. You lose pieces of yourself that you never imagined would be gone. And then, without ever realising it, these pieces come back. New love enters. Better friends come along. And a stronger, wiser you is staring back in the mirror. Ayahuasca taught me that the truth hurts. That there are some areas in my life that need a bit of work. There's some relationships that I need to put some attention to. But I'm really grateful and I was so proud of myself for being brave enough to go on that process. To, to find healing and to be prepared to keep doing the work that's needed on the road to getting real. This is The Big Mouth with Tim Dormer. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on an episode and leave a comment. Give me a star rating. It all helps get The Big Mouth out there. You can follow me on socials at Tim Dormer and join The Big Mouth conversation. Hashtag The Big Mouth.